Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and this is the show where uh, we we talk a little bit in the morning about the DFS strategy, answer your questions, go over yesterday's slate a little bit through uh, Results DB, and uh, maybe maybe touch on today's slate. I guess 15 game slate. We don't get any, we don't we don't get lineups or anything. So I mean we could. Go over some stuff. See what's see what's going on with the projections. Build some lineups. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? But give me give me those those thumbs up buttons. Give me those dummy thumbs. Hit them on the are your way in the door. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. The notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in the in the YouTube chat. I see Shane Newman, Suki Singh, Jamie Burkhart, Jerome Lewis, real life pitcher, Doug Montgomery, Daniel. Just just Daniel. Damn Daniel. Do you remember that meme? That was that was a long time ago, right? Damn Daniel. Anthony Stewart, Andrew Garcia. Welcome. Good morning. What happened yesterday? Yesterday, I, I pretty much broke even. I think I made 50 bucks, right? 50 bucks or so. Uh, I was doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I mean, I didn't have enough of uh, Jorge Soler. So I knew that that my, my first place win equity was going to be limited. I had him in like Royal stacks, but I mean, other than what Ben attendee, like the, the, the whole Royal stack did not get there because Soler had two solo home runs and that made up for half, half their runs. So, uh, so I, I had more, more Aquino as a one-off yesterday. I mean, I played 150 in the super knuckleball yesterday, which, which, uh, head chopper won. So head chopper won with, with this, with the Cincinnati, right? He won with the Cincinnati four man and then four one-offs, right? Right. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Bado, India, Farmer, Winker. Yeah, I I mean I I had I tons of Cincinnati. Yesterday, my, my main my main stacks were Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Washington, uh Detroit, even though I played a ton, I played a ton of minor. You can see here I played uh, you know 55% Mike Minor, but I also played like 20% Detroit stacks. Because it's one of those situations where Detroit they projected really well and minor projected really well. So that that I consider those high variant spots. So I'm not going to just choose which side, right? Depending if I'm building like single entry lineup, sure. I went more with the minor side in my in my single entry and three max lineups. But uh but playing 150 lineups, I'll I'll play, I'll play a bunch of Mike Minor, I'll play a bunch of the Tigers. I hope one of them does well. I don't care which side it is, just one of them to do well. And minor was the one. I mean, although the Tigers still still scored some runs even when he was out of the game, uh, but I played primarily. I mean, you could see here like Otani, Minor. You could see a lot of other sharp players played played a lot of Minor. Sammy Knoll, Larry Odo, Brick seventy five, but some didn't like. It. We have Squirrel, Squirrel Patrol played zero, none, right? Played Marquez, right? I mean, they were the highest projected pitchers. I played a bunch of Miley, not as much as some other people. I thought I thought the Cincinnati Chicago game was another like Hendricks and Miley were just like kind of overpriced, but they're not like horrible pitchers. But I was playing a bunch of their their bats also, so it's like just to, just to not have chalky lineups. Like the main thing yesterday was I was light on on Boston and Toronto, right? That was like the chalky game. Uh, we could see here even at the, like Keith Hernandez twenty seven percent, Bichette twenty five percent. He hit a home run though. Vlad twenty four percent. Devers, 19%. Springer, 14%. Semyon, 13%. Duran, 13%. So I was I was more off, as you could see here, just with my exposures. They're in yellow. 
And you can see most most sharp players. Other than I mean, we get some <clears throat> a little chalkier lineups here from a Hubro, a little bit chalkier lineup from Royal Payne. But for the most part, the yellow, you know, stay away, you know, especially on a seven-game slate. I mean, the ownership condenses, you know, have you know, quarter of the lineups have Bichet in it or Keith Hernandez, those types of combinations. I mean, it's not like I had none. I mean, you could see here, right? I mean, still still plenty of Devers. Still have Eloy. Eloy was 2,500. He's 2,500 today. You can see for the most part, other than like the Colts, most went went under on, on the White Sox, right? Uh, no, my, minor, minor, minor faced the White Sox yesterday. Right, okay. So who faced the Tiger? Pineda, that's who I'm talking about. Okay, that's who I was talking about. Yeah, I played a bunch of Pineda also, but not as much. But Pineda and the Tiger Stacks, but minor and the White Sox, right? I didn't play as much of the White Sox. But still played some. But I was mostly on, you could see here, Juan Soto, right? Jesse Winker, like basically Cincinnati, Philadelphia, uh, Washington, like those type. Gregorius at shortstop instead. We could see across the board some some green. I like comparing with other, you know, other sharp 150 max players. And see, it's like, did did I go in similar directions, similar constructions? as as other people did now it doesn't mean that what other people did was wrong if they didn't but just to see i mean my 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 gauge yesterday was that boston toronto was over owned i mean they project they raw point wise they project they projected well i get it on a seven game slate the, why am i playing stacks that the whole stack combined is going to be 15 to 20 percent owned and plus the pitchers right and they're going to contain otani or marquez People got up to Garcia, I guess. I mean, I, I had some, but I mean, they were mostly, you know, cheap, cheaper stacks, right? I had some Astros, but not, not, not enough. I played the Astros in once uh, three max lineup. So that, that got me there. I got, I got some, some like min caches and <coughs> some of the single entry three max stuff <coughs> that helped me uh, pseudo break even. <coughs> I don't consider a $50 profit to be like, oh my God, I made 50 bucks. It's 50 bucks on 1500. So it, on the grand scheme of things, it's a barely, barely an ROI, but I'll take it. Hey, most, most days you'll lose money. So I'll take, I'll take the $50 win. But we can see where the, like the, the White Sox weren't as owned as we thought they would be. I mean, Eloy was, but like Vaughn, like Vaughn was cheap also. Well, 11%, I guess, I guess that's okay. Right. On a, on a, on a, on a seven game slate, the twins weren't, weren't as highly owned. I knew Kepler would be, but like Josh Donaldson, 11%. So not like super, super duper, right? Cause Devers was more owned to third base. I get it. It was a little bit, a little bit more spread out than I thought. I knew Boston and Toronto would be, be up there, but I thought like Minnesota would catch them a little bit more. The White Sox would be a little bit, a little bit more, but I had like Cubs Right, Bryant nine percent. Right, take a look through, through through this range. I like looking in like this range, seven, six, seven, eight percent. Looking through like Suarez, look, look, I had a ton, right? Because I had a ton of Cincinnati, right? So I had a ton of Votto, Suarez, Farmer, Winker, those types of lineups, India. A lot of those types of lineups. Right. And same for Philadelphia. Segura, Harper, Hoskins, McCutcheon. I mean, they got that. I mean, Hoskins had a home run. Look, 
Look how much more of the field I had of McCutcheons and Hoskins. But that's the point. It's a seven-game slate. I want to be heavily over on the teams that, according to Slate IQ yesterday, if you ran if you, if you ran the simulations uh, yesterday, the, the highest leverage team with the highest ceiling was the Reds. Next were the Phillies, and then the Cubs, and then the Nationals, right? Based, based on, you know, comparing, comparing win probability versus, versus ceiling. The top ceiling teams were, were uh, versus, versus ownership, I mean. The top ceiling teams were Boston, Toronto, Minnesota. I mean, so like, it's not like I'm arguing. It's like, they're, they're not, of course, they're the best plays, but they're overowned. The ones that are close enough, like Cincinnati, like Cincinnati, I'm looking at my cheat sheet over here. Cincinnati and Philadelphia projected almost like with less than a point median to the twins. Now they were still two or three points below the Boston and Toronto, but they were, but, but Cincinnati and Philadelphia was close enough to the twins by a half a point that there's no reason why, why the twins should be twice as owned as those two teams. So that's, that's what you look at. So I'd play a bunch of them, right? Watching a little bit lower. So like Washington, Washington and Houston were close to each other and Houston was going to be a little bit more owned. So those are the things I looked at. The Tigers were about efficiently owned. The Royals were efficiently owned. The White Sox were over-owned. So I looked, I looked to play more of the under-owned teams. Doesn't mean I just don't, it doesn't mean, oh, I can't play Kiki Hernandez who got a zero. No, I still had Kiki Hernandez in some line of 16% of them. He still projected well. But I wasn't getting as much relative value by playing him. So in the lineups that I play, Kiki Hernandez, God, I got to be different. I got to be, got to be other other people in the lineup. Not playing an Otani, Marquez, Kiki Hernandez, Eloy Jimenez one-off lineup. Like I try to avoid playing those types of lineups. So when you build lineups, that's you're actively doing that. Going through the YouTube chat. Michael Dampier says on shows and pods yesterday, it seemed like the majority of touts were completely afraid of playing minor and were thinking the White Sox would smash. I just trust the bat now. Yeah, the bat had minor as the highest point per dollar pitcher on the slate. Oh, the White Sox are good against lefties. Not every game. Minor isn't that bad of a pitcher. He has some bad games. Everything's already accounted for in the projections. So why, why, why not? Why not trust them? Then what's the point? Then what's the point of using them? Either you trust the model or you don't trust the model. But if you look, the White Sox, it's not like the White Sox projected poorly. I mean, Eloy and Vaughn, Abreu had a high raw point <coughs> projection. I mean, not a great point for dollar projection because he's expensive. But like, but, but the two cheap outfielders. Like you had a cheap catcher in that lineup. I mean, the stack what didn't? It's not like it didn't project badly. But in comparison to the pitchers that we had yesterday, like who are you playing? Like Miner, I'm surprised Miner was 12 percent owned. I thought he was going to be 20, 20 plus, 25 percent owned. I'm glad I played 55 percent of them, right? But I'm saying the pitching combinations were going to be so condensed yesterday. I see no reason why I shouldn't be playing the highest point per dollar projection pitcher on the slate, according to the bat. And play and play a ton of them. What am I afraid of? I, I trust the model. You trust the model, you play the model. There you go. Done. The only the only thing that was uh, that a little bit upsetting is that uh, 
Aquino was higher owned than I thought he was going to be. He was 13% on. I know he's cheap. I just thought more lineups would have Eloy. I thought Eloy would be end up being almost 30% owned. I thought Kepler would be 20 plus percent owned. I thought stuff like that. I thought Duran, because the Red Sox stacks, would be 15, 17% owned, which would make uh, Aquino more in like the 5% range. That's why I played a ton of him. If I knew he was going to be 13%, I probably wouldn't have played as much as like as one-offs. Obviously, he'd be in stacks. But I did my calculations when I was running lineups as if Aquino was 5% owned. I mean, I still had plenty of leverage in the lineups anyway, because my because those lineups have minor, and I have minor projected for twenty plus percent. Oh, right, so I, it comes out of somewhere else. So it turns out those lineups were probably still fine. The Aquino minor lineups, minor made up for Aquino's ownership being higher than I thought it would be. Trey Barrera, ten percent. Wow, I thought I thought the Nationals would be. I thought the Nationals would be a little lower owned. Right, Soto was eleven. Turner was 12. Barrera Bell was nine. It's not like I played a ton, ton of them. That's still enough lineup. And Houston came in a little bit lower than I thought. So maybe that would have flipped more. Like I liked Kyle Tucker yesterday. But I didn't play. I played him in single entry three max in a Houston stack or a Houston three man. I just didn't get in. I didn't get a lot of them. I mean, a lot of sharp players played a lot of played, played a bunch of Tucker. 3,400. I played Brantley, Tucker, Alvarez. I was playing. I was playing plenty of Astros, but not his primary stacks as much. So I, well, I thought I thought they would be overowned. Turns out they were. It looks like they're more efficient, efficiently owned. It was Altuve twelve? Yeah, about efficiently. I thought I thought Altuve would be like sixteen. Tucker would be almost twenty. Eighteen. Brantley would be like sixteen. I thought I thought they would be owned more. Right, Brantley was 11. I mean, they still were owned. They were much more efficiently owned than I thought they would be. That's that's the, But that's the goal. That, that's what you're looking for. Look at the projections. Look at the ownership. What doesn't make sense? Right? Why is this guy more owned than that guy and this guy projects better than that guy? Then play the, play the guy that... Play the guy that's lower owned. I mean, that's... Welcome to DFS. That's DFS 101 type of stuff. JT Swacker, DFS was just legalized in your state. Well, how, how long has it been? What state the hell do you live in? Just legalized? Really? Was it Alabama maybe? I don't know. What time should I fill out my liners for a 610 slate? 605? I mean, you want as much of the information as possible, Right. If you're building one lineup, I mean, what, how, how much time do you need to build one lineup? You get all the information, five minutes before lock, you fill it in. You're probably looking through lineups to see what you should be playing, what you want to play. Sure. But actually putting it in five, five minutes before. I mean, even when I'm building 150 lineups, like, like I did not start building my 150 set until what, 35 minutes before lock, 30 minutes before lock. It was a 705 lock Eastern. I didn't even touch lineup HQ until 6.35. We didn't even have the Colorado lineup. And it's not like I was playing really much Colorado anyway. You want all the information. I want the, I want the ownership to be updated. I want, the, I want the player projections to be updated. 
right? We get umpire data coming in. We get new weather data coming in. I don't want to be, be building lineups at one o'clock in the afternoon. Number one, you, you're not going to know what the hell the starting lineups are. Who knows? They're the Marlins with a five-run total. Who knows what this lineup's going to be? Is Isan Diaz back? Does that happen? Is Marte back? What, what's going on here? We don't know. So how are you building lineups seven hours before? You can't. Is Ryan Zimmerman playing today? Who knows? We don't know this. And what the actual line, oh, this guy's going to bat first and that guy's going to bat last, right? We don't know. Is Bobby Dalbeck in the order? Is Enrique Hernandez going to bat first or is he going to bat later in the lineup? Who knows? That's why, I don't know why why people build start building lineups. Like why do, we can't, that's, why do you think we don't build lineups now? We don't have any, you want as much of the information as possible. You want to take advantage of the people that build lineups at five o'clock. Half the information isn't even out. Jamie Buck- Burkhart, who seems like he's starting in the middle of a sentence. I built 5-2. I did find some 4-2 that were slightly better projected on a seven-game as opposed to a 15-game. Would you rather have the five-man correlation or do you care? It, it, it does. I don't care. The larger the slate, I, I've said this hundreds of times, the larger the slate, be more inclined to Stack as much as possible for for your primary stack. Smaller to slate, not as much so. Today, we have a 15-game slate, which means there are 30 teams that have a probability of putting up enough runs to pay off a five-man stack. Let's just say it's, let's say it's 10 runs, eight runs, whatever, whatever number you want to make. The team puts up 10 runs, most likely, the five-man stack of that team, obviously you have to get the right batters, pays off, okay? If a team scores 10 runs. Now, there's 30 teams today. So every team has a certain probability of scoring 10 runs. Now, obviously, the crappier teams have lower probability, but they still they have some probability. So add up all those probabilities, multiply them, whatever. Of 30 different teams, and all, all you need is one of them. Just one to put up 10, 10 or more runs. Now compare that to yesterday. How many, there was a seven game slate. So that's 14 teams. If one team puts up 10 plus runs, that five man stack typically pays off. And someone has it, right? And someone has it, no matter what the team is. But it's less likely because there's 14 teams, not 30 teams. Four game slate, eight teams. What's the likelihood of a five-man stack paying off for any of the teams? Well, there's less likely. There's, all, there's, there's only eight teams that could possibly put up 10-plus runs. It's quite, it's quite much more, it's much more likely on that slate that no team puts up 10-plus runs, which means no five-man stack pays off, which means a 4-3-1 or a 4-2-1-1 or a 3-3-2 or some, some other type of lineup gains value. Now, on a 15-game slate, you know, one team puts up 15 runs. That's the winning stack. Five-man that, and you get the right one-offs, the three-man, whatever. You're good. As long as you have that stack, you're good. Now, but there are 30 teams that could possibly do it. So that That's the reason. And someone has every stack. So no matter what the hell it is, especially in large field, 
Like someone will have it, right? Someone will have one of these, you know, even if it's 1% owned, someone will have it most likely. So on a 15 game slate, like I, I, on a 15 game slate on in large field contest, I will not build a single line on DraftKings. I won't build a single lineup that isn't a five man stack. The last night's slate, I didn't build all five man stacks. I now I built like 70% five man stacks. But I'm much more inclined to play four three ones and four two twos and those types of things. Probably still playing four man. I'm probably not not doing three three twos or anything, but you could. You could find lineups like that. You're going to find less of them. Depends on how much time you have to, to, to find lineups that you want. Or find, or get a whole bunch of lineups and eliminate the ones you don't want. Right? Those types. You could do it the other way. But that's, but, but that's the thing. Just the larger the slate, the more teams that they have a shot at putting up so many runs that a five-man stack pays off. Less teams, less, less probability. Doesn't mean one... T- hey... It could be a three-game slate and one team puts up 27 runs. I mean, but yes. There's only there's only six teams on the slate that you know that could happen. It, it could happen. It's just less likely because there's less teams. Metal Alloy 419. On a 15-game slate like today, how many teams would you be exposed to for smaller MME? Like a 20 max versus 150 max. Trying to get an idea of how condensed my pool should be. The question doesn't matter. I, I, anyone that's a regular to the show knows that you're the you're asking the wrong questions. You're 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 talking about diversification and what diversification has nothing to do with strategy. Play the best twenty lineups that you can. You could play you could play the same pitcher in all twenty lineups. Just understand that your your risk goes up. Right? If that pitcher does extremely well, it helps all of your lineups. And if he does if he does. Gives up eight runs, all your lineups are dead. So that's a diversification issue. Those lineups could be perfect. Those lineups would be great. Plus EV all the way. But it's the same thing as asking, you know, how many stocks should I pick for my portfolio? Well, you could put all your money into one stock, and but now you you have a higher ceiling because if that stock does really well, you know, you, you have a nice 35% return on the year, a 50, 60% return on the year. You could do that. It's just more risky. That's why most stock portfolios you diversify. One stock goes down, another stock goes up. They all could be good stocks. You could pick, you know, 15 good stocks over the long run. If you play this out over, you know, 10 years, you're making money. You're making, you know, a nice 8 to 12% annualized return. But in the in the short term, stocks go up and down. So do you want to put do you want to put all your eggs in one basket? You could if you want. If they if the edge on those lineups are so much higher, then why not? You know, have practice good bankroll management, but you can. So the question isn't how many teams to play. That's not the question. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a worse lineup just so it's a different team. That, that doesn't make any sense. Now, on a 15-game slate, can you find a lot of lineups for different teams and different pitchers that are about equal to each other? Yeah. So I'd be more likely to diversify because why not? If you could find if you could find a lineup that has of pitcher A, pitcher B, and team one as a stack, and they have another lineup that's pitcher A, pitcher C, and team three as a stack, 
and they both like look the same, like projection wise and ownership wise. Like, why why not? Instead of playing the same pitcher in all the lineup, you could find lineups that don't have that pitcher in it that have the same ownership and the same projection. Then why not? Why not divert? You get you get you're, it's costing you nothing to diversify. But there can be some slates where it's like some some guy projects and projects for so much more. Like we take a look at Mike Miner on yesterday's slate. Mike Miner was the the highest EV pitcher eas- easily on the slate based on the bat projections. I had 55% of them. I want to take advantage of that as much as possible. I don't want to build worse lineups just to have less Mike Miner. I want to build as many good Mike Miner lineups as possible. But still, there were plenty of good non-Mike Miner lineups. So how much of Mike Miner do I want? Well, it depends on my, uh, my risk tolerance that day. I decided on 55% or so. I, and I was cutting out lineups. I was cutting out stuff. Just to just to see, and I and that's what I ended up getting to. Same thing for Aristides Aquino at five percent ownership. He projected too well. Like Aquino projected nearly as well as Eloy Jimenez, and Eloy Jimenez was going to be hot, much higher owned. But it turns out Aquino was thirteen and Eloy was twenty. I thought Eloy was going to be twenty five and Aquino would be five. So that disparity is so big that Aquino helps so many too many of my lineups. It's just, it's, it's, I believe the edge, there's more edge there. So I want to put him in as many lineups as I can, that it fits. Do I want to put him in a hundred percent? You could just understand that if he doesn't do well, you're, you're tanking all the lineups. So it's not a matter of how many teams, there's no, there's no answer. That's not something you should, even should be thinking about until after you've built your lineups. That's what you do afterwards. You decide which way to go and what types of lineups to build first and then go, well, I'm only playing 20 and I could build 3,000 lineups, right? I go, look, I could find 3,000 lineups that are in this range. I can only play 20 of them. So you have to choose which out of the 3,000, what 20 do you want to play? You're probably not, you're not, probably not building 3,000. 100, 200, 300? And choose the 20 that you want. Like, the, this is what I would do. I'll show you. This is lineups, not players. Remember what I say all the time. So let's show an example. Let's go. Let's let's take. Let's roll it back. Obviously, we obviously have some new people here. Okay, what relative value is? Your goal is to play play lineups that project higher than what than what the the ownership should be on these players. So I picked up third base. These are the bat projections as of 10.30 a.m., okay? So take it with a grain of salt. We don't even know who's in the lineups. So if you listen to this later on the podcast version, like we're not doing player picks. But we can see here that David Bodie at 2,200 projects as the highest point per dollar third baseman today. Obviously, the wind's blowing out in Wrigley. And Gutierrez is not a good pitcher. So we take 8.89. That's his raw points, right? Williams Astadio is, is going to be in, uh, supposedly in the in the twins lineup. I know he's also catcher eligible, but he's 21. He's a hundred dollars less. And he projects for like two points lower. And he's, and according to our current ownership projections, which you can take with a grain of salt, they'll be, they'll be updated multiple times throughout the day. He's, he's projected to be higher owned. Right now, Chris Bryan, I get Chris Bryan is the highest raw point at third base. So I get it. 14% owned. 
But like, why is Astadio 10% owned and Bodie 6% owned? Like mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. Look at Brian Anderson. Like, let's go by raw points. Brian Anderson and Josh Donaldson. So Brian Anderson is actually 800 cheaper, yet projects for more points than Josh Donaldson. We have a 16% owned. Anderson is 1% owned. So if 16% of the field is playing Donaldson, like this, you should be playing Brian Anderson. You should be, Eugenio Suarez. He projects for 0.07 less than Donaldson, but he's, he's 16 times less owned, right? 16 versus one, right? Look at Devers. Well, lefty, lefty. But look, the difference between Donaldson and Devers is marginal. What? 0.16. But the ownership is 16 to two. So it's more beneficial to play Devers. It's more beneficial to play Bodie versus Donaldson. It's more beneficial to probably play Arenado even, right down here, because look at the Turner, then play Donaldson. Anderson more than Diamond. Mean, Anderson, I mean, he, he projects higher. I mean, that's a gimme. Probably better to play Ramirez, even though he's more expensive. Like Donaldson should not be 16% owned. He would be over-owned. Which means I'd be less inclined. You don't you don't get as much value playing him in lineups. You would get negative leverage. Can you play Donaldson in lineups for raw points? In lineups that are already low on sure, but for the most part, you can't, that that's what you're trying to do in DFS: player versus player. But people focus too much on the players. I'm just pointing out third base just to show the concept from a player perspective. But it doesn't mean, oh, you can't play Josh Donaldson at all. And it means, oh, I need to play all the Brian Anderson. No, it doesn't mean that. Because it matters in the scope of a full lineup. So let's say we're going to build 20, 20 lineups. Let's say, let's say we just need to make five lineups. Let's say we're, we're, pl- we're playing five lineups into the large field, whatever, today. Whatever, whatever it is. Playing five lineups, okay? I'm going to put unique players one. I'm going to build 50, okay? We're just looking for five lineups, okay? Probably going to spend most of the salary, right? 49.5, 50 lineups, whatever, right? We're, we're, we're likely going to stack, right? We're going to play a five-man stack, 5X at 100%, right? So let's, let's, let's see what the, what the projections say, okay? So this is just default nothings based on the bat projections as of 10.30 in the morning. I'm assuming we get a lot of Cubs because of the wind. Okay, we're going to do that. Now, if we look at the ownership on the bats, I mean, obviously we look at the pitcher. Based on the ownership, Maeda and McCullers, Montgomery, Morton, McClanahan, Paddock. These are are where the ownership is going as of projected right now. Seven hours from now, these numbers complete completely different. So we're going by, we're acting as if these numbers are correct as of right now. This is what you'd be doing at 6.30. You wouldn't be doing this at 11.30. So the most owned is we got Turner, Polanco, Springer, Garver. So we got Twins. We got Red Sox, I guess, Eloy, Donaldson. So Twins nationals we got a bunch of that type of stuff 
Okay. This is without any constraints or nothing. Obviously, we're going to get a ton, ton of Cubs stacks. But look at their ownership. They're going to be higher on, trust me. Right? Based on these numbers, you'd be jamming them. Right? So if we go by ownership, so let's look at let's look at ownership first. Okay? If we were to play like the highest owned lineup, right? If we were going to play, let's say, Maeda and McCullers, Right. If we played Magada and McCullers together. And then we played. Can we even get Turner in? We played Eloy. We made sure to play Eloy. We play Ryan Zimmerman. We'd have no other first baseman here, right? He there, he's cheap. Play Ryan Zimmerman. Okay. Who do we play at catcher? Do we play Garver? Can we pay up for catcher? I don't know. Play Ortega. Is he gonna lead off for the, the Cubs? See the cheap outfielder that everyone plays? Maybe. If he leads off, maybe he is. Okay, so we can put him in. Two cheap outfielders. Do we play Bogarts? Shortstop. Do we see any other show? Maybe Turner? Okay, let's see what this looks like. Okay. Contreras, Wisdom. Right, because Contreras isn't going to be as popular as maybe Garver is. So let's replace it because it's similar prices. Okay. Let's see what this looks like. Okay, Hernandez, Wisdom, Duvall. Is Duvall going to be that owned? Maybe Hernandez is. Who else do we got? Polanco? Is Polanco going to be more owned at second base? Maybe he is. Let's plug him in. Close enough salary. Let's see what this looks like. Still Wisdom, Duvall. I mean, some, okay. Well, I'm doing this just to show what like the high own ownership would be. So based on ownership, this is a 189% total ownership, 112.81 projection. Okay, so 112 at 189. So looking at the lineups that we already made, we made lineups that are way higher than this because we're basing it, the ownership isn't based on the bat projections. So based on the bat projections, this lineup, 118 at 117 is way better. It's higher projected by six, almost six points. And it's lower owned by nearly what 70. So that's what we're let. So obviously, I'm expecting these this Cubs ownership to go up. So this number, this 117 may end up being 189. But as of now, the Cubs are way under owned. So you take a look at this and you go 189. So you shouldn't be playing lineups that are anywhere close to this, this 189. You want to find lineups that are way lower owned then 189 and give you the same amount of projection. So like these lineups are great compared to this lineup, this type of lineup, the one 190 range of ownership, 170, 190, you want to get it down. So let's unlock all these. So just based on that, this first lineup looks great. Just based on, well, this, that 189% owned lineup is going to, it projects way worse and it's going to be higher owned. So you want to get as much projection for as little ownership as possible and still play a five man stack. Okay. So 118 at point at 117, 109 ownership, 114 ownership, 104, 126. Now this 126 lineup, we take a look like 126 at 118 at 126 where you have a lineup that's much higher. So like 126, it's too high. 
because we have better lineups than that. 104, 125, get rid of that. So basically anything that we see that's under like basically 117, we want to get rid of. Because we could find, remember, we're only picking five lineups. So anything over 120, we don't want. Right? 120, 120, 133. No. Here's a 97. That's pretty good. I like that. So we already found a 97 here. So maybe we don't want anything. We don't, Maybe at this point, we don't even want anything over 100. Because we already found a 117 lineup. That's 97% owned. So maybe we cut out anything that's over 100. So this next lineup, like it projects for 0.01 less and it's more owned. So screw it. I don't want it. Right. So basically at this point, anything, anything that's not, yeah, there's under 194. We don't want that. 132. No, definitely not. 87. Okay. That's fine. 103, 117, 122, 101. It's close, but no, let's see. We're going to get rid of anything. There we go. 130. That's way too high. We're giving up, you're giving up two points in projection to have higher ownership than this top line. So that doesn't make any sense. So we got the 97, 94, 87, 124, get rid of, 105, get rid of, 116, 117. Do you notice here I'm not looking at any of the players in these, these lineups? I'm just going by these numbers. 99, 99 is fine. 129, 111, 102, 103, 119, 90 is fine, 95. Just want to get rid of these ones that are over 83. That's fine. 97. Well, now that we got an 83 here, maybe I don't even want the 97. So basically now we're looking for 90, maybe 90 or below, right? Like 142. Like, look at this. Why would you play a lineup that is this high owned? That's four points lower than the projection. You know, it's more owned and less projected. You don't want it, right? 65. Oh, that's beautiful. 72, 55. Okay, so now now we're getting there. So now we're down to 17 lineups, okay? And we're, we're choosing to play five, right? We have to choose to play five of them. So now we, now, we, now we look at the ones that we have, right? Remember, I'm not even looking at the players. I'm just looking at the numbers. You want to play as high of a projected of a lineup for as low of an ownership. And the more ownership that drops, the more projection that drops, I need to get requisite ownership with it. So 118 at 117. 118 at 109. 118 at 114. So get rid of that. Right? So basically it should be going down. So as the ownership goes down, projection goes down, the ownership should be going down. 104, 104. This 104 lineup is better. This 115 is no good anymore. 103, 97, 94, 87, 99. No. 87, 90. No. 95, no. 83, 65, 72. No, we already found a lineup that's higher than that. 55. Now we're down to 10 lineups. Down to 10. Okay. And we can see here a stack summary. It's 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 pretty much mostly. It's six Chicago stacks, two Miami, one Cincinnati, one Milwaukee. Now, because you're playing five lineups, maybe you don't want to play all five of them being cub stacks. Maybe you want three Cubs stacks, okay? So now we're getting into diversification. Now we're talking about, we've already highlighted, we've narrowed it down to lineups that have the right numbers that we're willing to play. Now it comes into, do what now, out of these 10, these 10 are not bad, right? They get requisite 
ownership drop. Maybe even this top lineup isn't, isn't as good as this lineup, right? Drop even a little bit more ownership. I mean, like the difference in projection. And we want to get rid of a, a, a Cubs lineup, right? Because we don't want to play five Cubs lineups just from a diversification standpoint, right? So we get rid of that one. Let's see, 109 versus 104. You're dropping just a little, right? 104, 103, right? Maybe get rid of this tough one also. Getting a little bit more ownership. I guess it doesn't matter. Bo Bichette, Paddock Maeda. I guess it really doesn't matter. They're close enough. Take the one that's a little bit less owned, maybe just slightly. Okay, so get rid of this Cubs one. So we're down to eight. So we're trying to get rid of Cubs ones because we only want to keep three. 117 at 97, 117 at 94. Are these dramatically different from each other? Bodie, Wisdom, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Altuve, Duval. Yeah, these two are almost exactly, they're 1v1 of each other. So which one do I want? The one that's slightly higher or slightly like they're, um, they're virtually the same. Am I already playing, maybe I'm not playing Willie Adamas. Am I playing Willie Adamas in anything? Where's Willie Adamas? Can I find him? He's somewhere. Okay, he's in two lineups. And Miguel Rojas is in four. Okay, so I'm going to get rid of the Miguel Rojas lineup. That's here. All right, it's, it's, it's virtually, a, it's a 1v1. All right, so get rid of that. Okay, so now we're down to seven lineups. Okay, so we got the Marlin stack here. I don't mind this. Let's see what, it, is there any other Marlin stack that, that we got? We got two of them. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at the two of them. Five hitter stacks. And we can click on this just to see the two side by side. I drop a lot more ownership here. 117.53, 117.30. So this is 2.23. And you gain a decent at 13, 16 in ownership. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer I'd prefer the bottom one. Okay, so we're going to keep that Miami line. Okay, so we got basically got Chicago, Miami, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. We want it. We want three Cubs stacks. So now, do we want to keep the Milwaukee or the Cincinnati lineup? So we got the Miami lineup, Milwaukee or Cincinnati, or neither. Right? Here's a Cubs stack with Hayward in it that has Soto at one percent. Which I don't think that's going to happen. Rojas is a one-off. Carpenter as a one-off. Tyler Anderson, Shane McMahon. Yeah, look, this is a really weird lineup. Right, this is, and actually, it goes against the Milwaukee lineup, right? Because you're playing a pitcher against Milwaukee. So I'm looking at these lineups. Let's see, 100. Oh yeah, this one's too low. Look at this, 100. Yeah, so we're getting rid of this Reds lineup easily, right? 100 at at 55. This is 109 at 65. So like this is way. So that's easy. There we go. We got our five lineups. 118 at 104, 117 at 94, 117 at 87, 110 at 83. Because once you stop playing the, the Cubs, the, 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 the projection starts going down. 109 at 65. But these are low enough owned. You probably find a little bit. If you built more lineups, you'd probably find maybe a little bit better than these. If you're playing five. I'm just showing this very short process, but shows the, the mindset. So in all of this, now I have Wilson Contreras in all, fi all five lineups. 
should you have all five? Then find lineups that then keep on doing this process and find lineups that have similar numbers that don't have Wilson Contreras in it, that don't have Adam Duvall in it. You're building 20 lineups. Build 100. And you could also, so you're not getting lineups that look exactly the same, just with one player different, up your unique players to two or three. So you get much more diverse lineups to choose from. And then if there's certain ownerships, like if you look here and you're like, well, let's go to 104. Like if my highest lineup is like 104 at 118, like if that's the highest line, like the highest lineup that we trashed was like what, 117? It had the highest rejection and 117% ownership. Like you could just rebuild it again and just go, well, I don't want anything that's over 117. Or I mean, like you could just put that in. Because any lineup that has a higher ownership than the top lineup, why would you be playing anything other than the top lineup? You know, it has 117% ownership and 118 projection. Why would you be playing a lineup that has 135% ownership and a three point less projection? Like, no, obviously that first lineup is, is better than that. You want to find lineups that as the projection goes down, the ownership goes down with it. You get relative ownership for the amount of projection. Now imagine doing that for 20 lineups. Imagine doing that for 150 lineups. Like that's, that's what it is. So throughout that entire process that I just showed you, I didn't mention like who's a good play, who's a bad play. The numbers are the numbers. It's our, everything is already in the model. It's already everything. Well, how about the, how about his lefty splits? It's already in there. Well, how about the, the ballpark righties in this ballpark? It's already in there. Oh, but it's a good umpire. It's already in there. Oh, the wind's blowing out or blowing in or whatever. It's, it's already in there. All that stuff is in there. Oh, in the past month, he's been, it's already in there. And anything that you can mention that, that is measurable is already in there. It's already been done for you. That's what these numbers are. Floor, ceiling, median. Projected ownership. And if, hey, if you don't agree with something, then change, change the number. Fine. Feel free to, I don't trust the model and I'm going to change it. I think Eloy should be 10.7%. Okay, then do that. And then and then still build lineups with that number. That's what I'll do. I'll even, I'll change the ownership. That's why I said these, these Cubs are not going to be this low owned. Right, you change the ownership to these Cubs and Ortega at 20 and Bryant at 20 and Rizzo at 15 and Contreras at, at 18. I mean, then those lineups become overowned. Then we do that process and we go, well, we could find lineups without Cubs in it that project half as owned. We should be playing those lineups, right? You wouldn't be playing, you may not be playing any Cubs lineups in five lineups. You may fade them completely just based on the ownership. But based on the bat projections, if these, if this is the owner, if this ends up being the ownership, I'm going to be playing tons of Cubs. They're project, they raw point projected better than a lot of other players and they're less owned. There you go. I trust the model. I do it. But that's how, that's how you build lineups. I'm not concerned on, uh, is JT Realmuto going to hit a home run off a of Fed? It's our, it, the range of outcomes is already in there. My job is for the line, for the contests that I'm playing, how much projection and ownership do I need to be plus EV? Smaller field contests, you know, you, you don't need to give up. Now, I don't need to give up 15 points of projection to get ownership difference. 
I could play the higher projected lineups. I wouldn't play the highest owned lineup. No, not at all. I would play a five-man stack. I would play like this type of lineup. This first lineup, like this would be a single entry three max lineup. Yet like this lineup down here, Anderson McClanahan lineup down here with the Cubs and Soto at 1%, which I don't, I don't know if that's happening. Like this would be a large field lineup. Like this would be, I'm less likely to play this. Like I don't need, like I'm giving up nine points in projection. I'm getting all this ownership, but I mean like, what I don't, I don't need this much leverage in a 500 entry contest. 70,000 entry contest? Yeah, yeah, give, give this to me. Going through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Why is Adam Duvall projecting so high? I don't know. They're playing, it's a, the Marlins have a five run total and they're playing in Baltimore against Spencer Watkins, who, who's not a good pitcher. Do, 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 do. Oh, let's see. Jamie Burkhardt is giving it his experience. Apparently, Jamie Jamie is, is using this type of method and is doing well. This is what Devin does now. I know Eli, Eli's producing. He was gone for a while. But Devin... Like Devin had a single entry. He won, he won like 1500 bucks, which for him, he doesn't play much volume. Devin, the producer, he played like $24. He played like 20 bucks. And he told me, he said that over the past, that he was producing the shows while Eli was away. And he saw me doing this type of, this type of process, which to be fair is what most sharp players do. Uh, and he started doing it this way. Just like, I'm just ignoring the players and just going by, Picking line, picking lineups just like this, and he he, he won. He's been doing well because everything's in. The, if, do you trust the model? And if you don't trust the model, sure, then then feel free to dive into anything you want and try to put things together. Your goal isn't is not to predict the future. It's just is just to build lineups that have a higher probability of being profitable than what other people lineups that other people are playing. And based on this model, Josh Donaldson should not be as high owned as he should be based on these projections. But like I said, I think by the time, by the time we get to, to, to lock, these Cubs are going to be twice as owned. If it's a Wrigley win game, once, once everyone understands it's a Wrigley win game and these projections start coming up around the industry, The, the Cubs are going to be higher. The Marlins may be even higher. Like some of these teams may be higher on. Pe- people pay attention to the bat, right? This is Derek Hardy's projections. People pay attention. So it's not, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. They have minor, they didn't pay enough attention yesterday, right? Minor was 12% owned. I thought he would be like 20, 22% owned. But it still makes a difference. But some other places, maybe it's only 6% on. So that has some amount of influence. Carson Pierre-Lewis, is there a better way of winning if you play one lineup in many contests or playing many lineups? Or is this does not matter? It, all you, you're describing diversification. Like if you play five single entry contests, you're playing the $12, the $3, the $5, most of these contests are correlated to one another. 
So if you're, if you're playing uh, the $12 single entry and the $5 single entry and the $20 three max and the $25 single entry, if your lineup comes in first, it most likely comes in first in all. If your lineup comes in 300th, it most likely comes in 300th in all of them. So you're putting yourself in a situation where it's the same thing if I'm going to play the same pitcher in all my in all my lineups. Yeah, if he does well, all your lineups are here. And if he does badly, all your lineups are there. And if he, if he does okay, all your lineups are here. So it's the same thing by playing the same lineup into five single entry contests. It's just higher variance. It's just, just high. I prefer to play different lineups into them to reduce the variance. Because I could find plus EV lineups that are close to one another, especially in baseball. Why am I, I'm, I'm going to play a 5-3 lineup that projects nearly at slightly better than 100 other lineups and just play that same one into five contests? I could find a lineup that's like, even if it's a 1v1, even if it's a 1v1, my goal is to just win one of them. I don't care. I'd rather have five shots to win one of them than one shot to win five of them at once. But mathematically, if your lineup, your the line, the EV of a lineup is independent. So we replayed this slate out. If you if you just played one lineup into five different single entry contests, when you win, you'll win off, you'll win five times the amount of money. When I win, I win only one of those, but I'll win more often. So over the, if we played this out over a hundred thousand times, by the end of it, me and you have the same amount of money. It ends up coming out to the same. We played the same exact lineups. So it just comes down to your graph on that path of 100,000 of playing one lineup into five different contests, single entry contests, your graph would look like this. It would go down, 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 down. Big, very big spike. Down, 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 down. Big spike. Down, 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 down. Big spike. Like it would have a long period of down, 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 down. And your spike would be like five times as high. My graph would look down, would the down would, wouldn't be as steep. It would be much narrower down, 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 down. And the spikes would be little, littler. Down, 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 little spike, down, 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 little spike. But my spikes would come five times more often than yours, but they would be five times lower of a spike. So mathematically it ends up at the end of it coming out to the same thing. So does it matter? No, it doesn't. But of course, what's, what's the, the sample size we're dealing with? After 100,000, we're about even. Well, that's like 17 lifetimes. So, I mean, like, like along the way, like you only have so many slates that you're going to play in your life. So it's the question is, would, do you, do you, which one do you want more? Do you mind long, prolonged downswings with huge spikes or shorter downswings with lower spikes? I mean, it's, which one do you prefer? What's your risk tolerance? How much of your bankroll? If you're going to be playing one lineup into five different contests, you need a bigger bankroll, right? Because you're, you're, you're not being diverse. So if you're playing 10%, 15% of your bankroll, that, that's, that's a recipe for going broke. If you're going to play one lineup into five contests, you're going to be playing 1% of your bankroll. Okay, that, if you don't mind prolonged, you're still going to go on prolonged downswings. But 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%, 1% on the downswing, you do 10% downswings, by the end of the month, most of your bankroll's gone. You better win one. You better win one of those every month and do it that way. And maybe you can. There's not one is not better than the other. They both they they both would have the same expected value.
just the swings would be different. The distribution of your outcomes of those contests would be different. <coughs> A metal alloy 419, my confusion stemmed from an older tutorial video where you went over lineup HQ and started by deselecting all the players and then individually adding back players and teams that you want. You could do that also. I didn't show that here. I do. It's more likely I do that when I'm playing a lot of, when I'm playing large field contests with a lot of lineups. In this example, I was only going to play five lineups. The likelihood, like for instance, we go to a team, who's the, who's the highest owned pitcher today or whatever, McCullers against who? Who is it? Seattle. Like we go to Seattle, the likelihood of me getting Mitch Hanniger in lineups is low. He projects poorly against, uh, you know, obviously the, a good pitcher. I mean, it's just raw. Like, he may not even, he may not show, like, if I were to build 10 lineups, Hanniger comes nowhere close to it just by math mathematics, right? So, like, when we did that experiment, when we just showed, I'm picking, I'm building 50 lineups and I want five of them. Like, I don't have to have any worry that Hanniger is going to be in the lineup, right? So, there's no reason, there's no reason for me to exclude him. I know based on his projection that he's there's, it, there's no way he's coming close to lineups when I'm just trying to get like the top ones. Now in 150 lineups with a ton of exposures and me only wanting 12% of this and maybe I get Hanniger in one lineup. Well, maybe I don't want that. Maybe I don't want any Mariners. I'm like, I don't want any Mariners. Maybe I'll get, cause look, Cal Raleigh is 2,100 a catcher. 2.96 point per dollar. I'm inevitably going to get him. I'm inevitably going to get Jared Kellenick in some lineups if I were to play 150 of them. Maybe not in the first five, not in the first 10, maybe not in the first 20. But if I don't do anything in 150 lineups, I may have six Raleigh lineups. I may have four Kellenick lineups. Hell, I may have, I may have two lineups that has a Seattle three-man. The question is, do I want that? So before doing 150 lineups, I may go through and X out the teams that I don't want or the reverse. Exclude everyone. Sometimes sometimes you're, you're getting rid of a lot of people. So sometimes it's easier to just exclude everyone and then just add the people that you want, add the teams that you want. So maybe you're not playing a lot of Pittsburgh today. So you go into Pittsburgh and maybe you're not going to, you're not going to play any stacks, but you don't mind, you know, you don't mind Philip Evans in lineups. So maybe you add him back in. But I also know that Pittsburgh's not going to show up that much in my, in my set of lineups. I'm, if I set stacks at zero and I don't set minimum exposures, I probably don't get much of Pittsburgh, but I may get some, right? Especially these point per dollar guys. I may get Jared Oliva as a one-off. Do I want that? No. Or maybe I do. Do I want Wilmer Defoe as a third base one-off? No. You could also hit the only in stacks buttons. And if you have no Pittsburgh stacks, they won't show up at all anyway. So you don't even have to exclude them. Sometimes I use these the OIS button as almost a, as an exclude as it is. We didn't have that last year. When they, you watched that tutorial video from what, two years ago? We didn't have this only in stacks button. That saves a lot of time. 
Because I could click only in stacks. I mean, I could click the whole team only in stacks, right? If I click the whole team only in stacks and then I literally don't give it a stack, right? I don't give it any stack. Like, he didn't, they're not going to be in any lineups. Right? I didn't even have to exclude anyone, right? They, they can't be in any lineups. But yeah, excluding everyone and putting them back in. And just, I'm just putting back what's who's going to be in my player pool. But I could go through this. I mean, when you get experience, I could look at the projections and know, know what's going to cut. Like I, before I pressed the build button, I knew I was going to get Cubs stacks. I knew I was going to get Marlin stacks. I knew I was going to, I know what I'm going to get. I could see, I could see what the point per dollar projections are. I could look, I could look at the stacks projection page, right? I could see here point per dollar wise, Cubs, Marlins, Reds. I may get some pirates, Rangers. I mean, I could see what's going to start jamming into lineups. I'm going to see, Raw points, right? I'm going to see some Blue Jays for raw points. Red Sox for raw points. Like, I already know that. So, like, you could go through and say, let me put in the projections and let me build 150 lineups, 300 lineups, and see what shows up. Like, I don't, I skip that process. I don't need to see what shows up. I, I, I have enough, I know, I know how the math works out. I'm going to get a ton of this, ton of that, ton of the, you know, whatever. I'm, that I'm, I know I'm not going to get Seattle Mariners in many lineups. Do I need to exclude them? Probably not. But if I do see that I'm getting Kalanick in one lineup, then just get rid of him, unless that's what I want. So yeah, you could exclude, include. But once you get more experience, a lot of times you, you don't even need to do that. I think you need to do that. I think more in football than in baseball. Baseball, everyone gets the same type of opportunities. Even if you're the ninth hitter, light, someone get uh, one swing, hit a home run. But sometimes if you don't, if you're like, oh, I'm stacking this team and you start getting, you know, fourth wide receivers and you're like, why am I playing so much of the you know, fifth wide receiver for the Bears or something? Because it fits in your stack time. And then, then you start getting rid of people, right? Why do I have the fourth wide receiver from, uh, from, the, from whatever, from the Raiders as a one-off in some random lineup at 0.1% owned? Then, you, then it may be more useful to start with nothing and then just add what you want back. Basketball may be a similar thing also. Depends. It depends how you build lineups. Sometimes you get that 3K guy that out of nowhere. Some 3K 11th guy off the bench type of thing. And you go, yeah, I know he projects for 12 points, but I don't see how it's possible that this guy ends up being in a winning lineup. There's not enough raw points. But yeah, it makes sense for median and you get him in your 137th lineup. So I'm more inclined to just, you know, eliminate and add the people back that I want. Whichever one is faster. Uh, Steve Josephson. Getting back to my question earlier, Blender. I know Cardi puts a lot into the bat. Can I trust the plate IQ projections just as much? It doesn't have as many variables as Cardi's projections. You have to you have to trust something. The plate IQ projections are better than your head. Any projections are going to be better than your head. Build your own model. Plenty most sharp players have have their own model, or they aggregate other models. Like maybe they take the bad projections and weigh that twenty percent against what they already do. You could do that, but you need to have something, some way of taking all the players that are playing today. Weighing in all those variables and coming up with a number. Whatever, once you get to the number, then all you're doing is building lineups. 
So whatever process you have to make that number, do that. And if you trust that, then that's the number. The number's the number. So like I said, if you, if you want to use the plate IQ projections, they're going to be way better than your head. The plate, the plate IQ projections are likely better. Like I could, I, I could build a rudimentary model in a week, probably. A rudimentary one. And it would be nowhere near as good as what the plate IQ projections are. I mean, nowhere, not even close. I mean, it would be nowhere close to the bat, but it would be nowhere close to the plate IQ projections. Now, I could also spend probably a couple of months and build a model that's about as good as the plate IQ projections. So do I want to, how much time am I going to spend? Why don't I just use the plate IQ projections? Now I could spend five years and build one as good as the bat. Why am I going to, and even then I may not even get there. It incorporates way more variables. But you'll see the, the difference between the plate IQ projections and the bat projections are not that dramatic. Only on the bare, only on the, it, it's heavily, you'll notice that the bat projections take into account the external variables a lot more than other models, which I'm talking about umpires, weather, and ballpark. Play active projections don't, don't as much, but not, neither do, do a lot of other around the industry. So if you, the, typically the biggest difference is going to be like when there's a Wrigley win game or, or cores, the bat typically projects cores higher than other models. It projects the win games higher than other models. Right, so th- those types of factors end up being a little bit more weighed. But for the most part, you're not going to get I mean, a dramatic difference between teams that project well in plate IQ project well in the bat. The scope of how well they project, I mean, but of course, we're dealing with a margin of like, look how, look how, look how similar the points are. I mean, look, we're project, we're trying, and and one swing of the bat could be the difference of like eighteen points. So the differences of what? If we let let's, I'll even show. Let let's show right now. Here are the bat projections. Can I load this up in another another window and switch over? Okay, so let's switch over to plate IQ projections. And we see, okay, we go by fantasy points, right? By top projected fantasy points. Like look at Duval. Duval 9.73 versus 11.95. So it's like, even, even in the plate IQ, it's not like it projects poorly, but not nearly as good. 2.16 point per dollar. So it's not that different. Turner, 12.38 in the plate IQ. Turner, 10.525. So a little bit less. By what? Less than 20%? But still not low. Trey Turner's not low in the bat, right? It's still Trey Turner. All right, if we look at just point per dollar wise. Look, okay, here's the bat projections. Point per dollar wise. So like the cheapos. Bodie, Diaz, Aquino, Eloy, Ortega. Okay, let's go to the plate IQ projections. Bodie, Jimenez, Eloy, Ortega, Diaz. Here's Robles, who was on the other screen. Here's Zimmerman. We look here, we get Zimmerman down here, Cal Raleigh, Cal Ra- I mean, like, what's the difference? It's not that dramatic, right? Renfro is down here, Renfro against Ray. 
in the plate XP projections is what, 9.2. In the bat, he's 9.21. I mean, like, so from an overall perspective, like the teams that should project well typically project well, right? The teams that don't project well don't project well. It's, it's like the balances of like which batters versus whatever. So it's, it's, it's not going to be dramatically different. You're not going to see, it's like, oh, the Nationals project really well in the bat and the plate XP projections are like, they're all five points. Like you, you, you're not going to see that. I would say the variables that go into the plate IQ projections are like 90% of the bat projections also. I mean, like it's the same, same, same type of variables anyway. That just has like maybe an extra 10%. Does it make it more accurate? I don't know. Probably the, the, the bats are is probably slightly higher than the plate IQs. Overall, as an overall model. Doesn't mean certain players on certain days can't go above or below. I mean, you're weighing it over a much longer sample size. But you need something. You're using the plate IQ projections. It's something. It's taking all those variables and putting it into a number. That's all you need. Once you got that, once you got the numbers, then then you do what I just showed you before and you build lineups. You weigh those things together. Do you have to do them individually like that? No, not necessarily. Build 50 and try to condense it down to five. You could, but you saw what the concept was. I want to find the highest projected lineups for the lowest amount of ownership. And then you then you determine from there, it's like, well, can I find lineups that are similar to one another that don't have the same players together? So I'm not constantly playing the same lineup like 20 times. If you can, play different lineups. If they're, they're about the same, it makes you a little bit more diverse. Decreases your variance. What, what projection set you use? Use whichever one you want. But you need the you need the numbers. If you want to build one your own, and, and fine, go do that. Perfectly fine. See, I see no reason not to just use what's what we got. It's better than what you is it? Can you build a model better than the plate IQ projections? If the answer is no, then use the plate IQ. It's, it's can is the plate IQ as good as the bad projections? Maybe not, but it's still better than what you could do, right? So that's 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 my attitude when it comes to it. If you want the bad projections, pay for the bad projections. Cardi has the bat for sale. If you want the plate IQ projections, you just get a Roto Grinders premium. You get the projections to everything. If you get the combo premium, you get the projections in all sports NBA, NFL, golf, whatever, whatever, MMA, whatever it is. So sign up. Click on the link in the description below. Get $10 off your first month. And, uh, and yeah, and then build plus EV lineups. And if you want to learn about building plus EV lineups, You'd always get the theory of daily fantasy sports. My 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. Those concepts that I'm describing are all in this course. And you could do this for any sport. This, you, you wonder why, oh, the same DFS players are good in seemingly every sport. Yeah, because they're building lineups the way that I'm showing you. Build a model. You, have, you convert variables into numbers, play, and then you just build lineups. That you project ownership and you go, what lineups are more projected than what they should be owned? And I'm going to play a bunch of those. And then you wait. And then you do that every day, every slate. And then you, you wait for the money to come <laughs> along the way in binks and whatever. So you can learn all that theory of DFS 
DFSPodcast.com, how to think like a professional DFS player, the theory of daily fantasy sports. And, uh, and we'll see what's going on with this. Uh, I don't think there's any weather today. Toronto at Boston, maybe. Roth has something. Obviously, the, the hot human wind uh, in, in Chicago for Wrigley. So we'll see what's going on tomorrow. And we'll review what, what, all the stuff that, that, that oh, the projection said this, and it doesn't, the projections aren't predictions. It's just a range of outcomes. Let's see what nutty stuff happens tonight. We'll go over it tomorrow, as we always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.